sir. And just like that, welcome back to another episode of the Kicking Podcast, brought to you by Kicker Labs. Thank you so much. I am Victor. I'm here with my boy Bruce. Yeah, he's he's not producing actually today. He's gonna be in front of the camera. We got Osai Lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the producer for today will be Piccolo, so he's in the backside today. But of course, we got our man Jimmy Figueroa join us today. Bro, thank yeah, you so much man, for stopping by and kicking guys, it. Man, I appreciate you guys. Anytime Bruce calls me, bro, like I'll, I'll pull up, man. Like had he called me like yesterday and been like, man, can you be here today? I would I would have been here, man. It's I do much for this dude, man. I do appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Just get a little bit closer to the oh, mic, bad, Jimmy. You know how this goes. Yeah, Welcome yeah. back. You're back at the labs, but yeah, you're at man. a different different spot, but same spot, right? Yeah, man. I was just, uh, you know, I I came in and I was like, man, I I, I like the vibes, bro. Like it, I know it's in the same like you know building and all that but like no nah, i love what you guys are doing here man yeah for sure no thanks bro hell yeah lens how you feeling today bro i'm feeling good man it's monday getting the week started short week you know what i'm saying we got the thanksgiving uh this this thursday so uh i'm excited for that you know anytime there's uh time to eat i'm all about that oh yes you are <laughs> i seen you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love to eat what about you jimmy you excited for the holidays Man, I, I'm looking forward to having a day off, dog. Yeah. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just being with the family, bro. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's, the like, the main thing. Like, I'm not, like, a big, like, uh, Thanksgiving, like, the meals, like, the actual, like, traditional meals. Like, but being with the family, it's like, you know, yeah. that, that's the best part, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. Uh, uh, for you, Jimmy, that you've been going at it this whole entire year, dude. I feel like you, you haven't taken a break. I see you everywhere, dude. Yeah, bro. Like, I, I think that... Um, Coming into like 2022, it was very much like where can I have the biggest impact and really approaching the year like that. And so like just being really mindful about like what I'm doing, but at the same time being mindful of rest too, bro. Cause if not like flu season starts going around, your body starts breaking down and you just like shut down. So like days like Thanksgiving, like, yeah, I'm gonna sleep. Well, I don't know if I'll sleep in, but I'm definitely gonna just like chill, you know what I mean? Like and just relax. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's about, dude. Take a little break, you know, uh get yourself together and just enjoy the time with the fam. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Hell yeah. All facts, all facts. Uh, with that being said, let's get right to it. Fucking Jimmy, since right. last time we got we got to, um, you know, chop it up with you at the labs, bro. You know, you got a new position now. Yeah, man. So Which, um, again, once again, congratulations. As you, soon bro. as I heard yeah, that, bro, yeah, I was yeah, fucking man. stoked. Yeah, bro. It was, you know, it was always. Um, so I in June, I took over as executive director of Operation Hope North County which is um, uh, a shelter for um, for women and children and, and single women, a homeless shelter. Um, it's based out of Vista, but it serves all North County families. Okay. Um, our main populations are um, the city of Vista and Oceanside and the city of San Diego, man. Like we had a lot of residents last year uh, from the city of San Diego, but we, we get the opportunity um, to provide housing and support for the homeless population. A lot of people don't see, man. It's, it's, it's a, um, it's it's the single moms, you know, who um, are living in their car with their kids. Um, their kids attend our schools, you know, like their kids go to, to school with like our family members. Um, and, you know, they're just going through it, you know, whether it's like they don't have the the means to pay two and a half times the rent. You know what I mean? To move into a place or right. um, eviction or, um, you know, fleeing from a bad situation. Yeah. And out of leaving that situation, they end up homeless and we get the opportunity to step in and provide support for them. Um, but, man, if at the shelter, it's mainly kids, bro, because for like every it's mainly a single parent. But for every single parent, there's like three or four kids. So whenever you come to the shelter, it's like you mainly see kids there. So um, when I had the opportunity um, to step into this position, man, and at first I was kind of like 
I, I've, I've had the opportunity to, um, you know, service the homeless population indirectly through the other programs that I've worked with, but never mm -hmm. as being the sole, like, primary focus. <laughs> and so I was kind of hesitant myself, like, man, am I the right person for this position, you know? And um, yeah, bro, like, I, I got the opportunity to tour the shelter and um, B. Palmer, Beatrice Palmer, who's uh, one of my um, close friends and, you know, someone that I, I look up to and um, I admire and everything she's done in the community. She works at Miracosa. She sits as um, the board president for the organization. And uh, when she stepped in, she immediately became the first uh, person of color to be the board president of the organization. And uh, when I came in as my role, I was the first person of color to be in my role uh, for the organization. And I think it's, it speaks volumes because we need people like us in those positions, um, especially because the majority of the families at the shelter look like us. And so representation is key. Um, but yeah, man, I've been there almost six months now. And um, yeah, it's been a transition, bro. So like last time I was here, I was a program manager for Resilience, which is a, a mentoring program for, it started off as a mentoring program specifically to service um, kids coming home from the from juvenile hall in Oceanside. Mm -hmm. And it was meant to be a mentoring program for Oceanside's highest risk youth. So like whatever probation deemed high risk. So it was mainly like a GSU, like gang suppression, a kids documented. And um, we started that in 2018 with a, a group of mentors. All the mentors were former gang members from Oceanside, former two strikers. And um, yeah, bro, that was like probably the, one of the most significant things I've ever done in my life, you know? And, and, and in a way it's like put so much into, uh, into that along with the team. And so to step out of that role and to step into this one, it was always like, um, it, it was difficult, but at the same time, I think that as opportunities present themselves, like, and, and we see ourselves like being able to um, provide opportunities for others, I, I think that's key too, you know? And so um, that's one thing I love about, um, you know, stepping into the role that I did, like our organization, our staff um, at the shelter, like it's, it's, it's predominantly like, um, you know, a representation of the community, um, Asian, Black, Mexican, and, and, and that's who's working there. And, and I think it's also bringing in people that had the lived experiences, you know, because you provide a different level of, of, of service um, when you understand and you've lived through some of, some of those obstacles, you know? And so, like, I mean, that's what we did when we were at Reach, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, and so it was, it was very similar, like being from Oceanside and running a mentoring program or an after-school program back then. It was like, it was just different when you have people that, are from the community and experience similar things. Um, there's just certain things that books or like um, things that you, you can't like really teach someone unless you lived it. You know what I mean? You're just going to apply things differently. Um, so yeah, man. So I, I've been in that role now for six months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, and that's a trip, dude. Like you said, I think uh, it does come down to like uh, a little bit of personal perspective and being able to like get yourself into those shoes, you know, to like mm -hmm. feel what those people are feeling and, I don't know, man. Do, do you miss still working with resilience at all? Or or how has yeah, that transition I'm always been for going you? to, you know, because like that was always initially what propelled me um, to make changes in my life back when I was like a high school dropout and I was um, getting in trouble. You know, like my, my goal was always to be able to create something where like when my friends came home from prison um, to be able to maybe provide them an opportunity for employment, but also work with. Um, you know, kids in the neighborhood at that time, I couldn't think about the kids in resilience, but just help the community going through similar things that uh, me and my friends and family went through. And so to like, you know, that I, I, that like that idea of being able to do something probably sparked 
in me probably in 2004, 2005. And we, we didn't, I didn't know about the opportunity to potentially create resilience until about like 2016, 2017, and then to launch it in 2018, you know, it took 14, 15 years or like 14 years to make that a reality. And, you know, to um, create something like that alongside the people that I got to create it with, like, I mean, we're going to go through, it's, it's a roller coaster, nothing's perfect, but at the same time, like to be able to establish that for the city. Yeah, man, it, it was it was huge. And a lot of the kids that we were mentoring, um, it was that one degree of separation. We were mentoring kids that were like family members of like the people that we came up with, where at times most of us had family members in the program. And so it was a very like um, emotional and close like program. And, and then everyone on the teams like family. Um, and so, yeah, I, I miss it. Um, you know, by the time I transitioned out, uh, we were no longer um because we were launched by in, like in partnership with the county of probation so they funded it um it okay. was just meant for oceanside but it was so successful that it, it became resilience north county mm. and so we started off like when program would end it was like okay who's going to the valley to take those kids home who's going to like um the east side or downtown who's going to tri-city like how, how are we going to get these kids home now it's like all right, like, who's going to, like, Escondido? <laughs> who's, you know what I mean? Who's going yeah, to, like, dang. San Marcos, Vista? So, like, the kids are everywhere. And so to be able to create something that people didn't believe in, a lot of people didn't believe in this model. Um, and for it to be so successful, yeah, like, I do. But I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still connected. Like, I'm still um, I'm still involved, you know? It's just more of, like, I'm not involved in the day-to-day, -day, like, decisions. But, they, you know, they, um, we, we were a family, man. So, like, it, it was always deeper than just, like, work. It was, it was, you know, we did life together. We do life together. So no, definitely, yeah. dude. It's just yeah. like, like, like any family member, dude, did they ask you for, for help moving some stuff? Of yeah. course, you're going to be the first one to pull up and give a hand. Yeah, yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think what you're doing uh, is amazing for this community. You know, we, we definitely uh, need something like that um, now and in, in the future, you know, for times to come, but what, what drives you? uh every day to to be able to to do things like this what's what's like the the background of of you that like makes what, you yeah that drives you to do the man, things that you do I, I think that like when when i was coming up so i was born and raised in tri-city um but you know when my family came from mexico over to um you know over to the united states most of my family ended up in north county um, a lot of my family ended up in Oceanside and, um, you know, different parts of Oceanside. My, my family moved to like whatever, whatever areas they can afford mm -hmm. to live or wherever they found like housing. Right. So it wasn't like selective to one specific area of the city and seeing like my family members, specifically the males, go through the go through similar challenges despite what neighborhood they were in. You know, it was very similar. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, growing up in Tri-City because of where I lived, I lived um, west of college. So I was part of the Oceanside Unified School District, not Vista Unified, because if you live on the other side of college, you have to go to Vista schools. Yeah. And I live right across the street with Oceanside schools. So like I went to Lincoln, you know, and when I was at Lincoln, like I started making friends with, you know, back then when Nevada and Clementine uh, was a lot different than when Nevada and Clementine is now. Mm -hmm. And then because of where I lived, El Camino was like the school that the high school I had to go to. And when I got to El Camino, like now I'm spending a lot of time in the deep, 
you know, and, but it was all the same man. everyone was going through similar things. And when I was like 17, 18, and all, I always had like older friends and watching a lot of them catch cases, no longer like juvenile hall stuff, but like prison time. And, We're doing big boys. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> losing some friends, you know, because it's like, yeah. I always tell people like when you're like in middle school, people are like fighting, getting jumped. By the time yeah. you get to like high school, maybe once in a while, you're like, you hear someone got stabbed, you know, but 17, 18 people are starting to get shot, you know, mm-hmm. or even younger and um, encountering that and being okay. Like, I don't want, something i gotta make some changes you know and 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 then i went back to school got my ged and and a lot of it at that moment was like seeing a lot of my friends go away and, and some of my cousins that were like um my age my peers and just feeling like man like i felt at that moment like okay i like i've been blessed with a second chance at life and i'm gonna use it you know and i'm gonna use it and at that time all my energy was geared to helping the people closest to me like to help my to help my 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 to help my my family, you know, to help um, my friends, those closest to me, never knowing that like those decisions, I was going to be able to have an impact on like Bruce, you know what I mean? And people like down the years, like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't see that, but in a way I kind of looked at like, okay, that was God like saying, okay, I just need you to make these decisions right now. And then you'll, I have like this plan for you, you know? And, and I just been operating like that, man. And like, and I, and I think I operate with a sense of urgency and that's what I always like try to tell those that I'm working with. Like we have to operate with a sense of urgency because like this may be the last time I see this kid, you know, like in real talk. And so mm-hmm. like if I can like plant some seeds of hope or this may be the last time I see this client or the last time I see um, this person that's in, the, in this program, because I've always worked like in high risk populations, mm-hmm. like man, anything can happen. And, and understanding yeah. that. So like if I can plant some seeds of hope and something pops off or something happens, Maybe they'll kick in. Maybe you won't, but at least they'll know like they'll have some consistency on my end where they can get support. And and that kind that's kind of what I found in the mentors that I had, you know, and, yeah. and just trying to provide that um, for others. But also, man, just being out here, bro, and like talking to the community and talking to to people and hearing what they're saying the needs are. And at times you're kind of like, well, okay, it'll take care of itself, but then it doesn't, and you just feel like, okay, mm-hmm. you have an obligation. Because now you're aware of it. And when you stay aware and when like things just don't change, you kind of take it like on a personal level at that point. Aware and knowing you have the ability to do something about it. You know what I mean? And so like at that point, then it becomes a responsibility. Um, And so like a a lot of that, a lot of that happened, man. Like a, a lot of that, like I always wanted to help once I started making those changes in my life. But when I was with you guys at Libby, um, you know, and we went through a lot of tragedies at that time and not, no one was doing nothing. And at that time, it was the kids and the program pressuring me. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it felt like. Man, we got to do something. We got to do something. It came from the community. And I was like, well, what do you guys want to do? So I kind of like trying to make their like ideas to respond to tragedies and support them and, and understanding that like they're going through this trauma and this is how they're dealing with it. Like they can either deal with it by providing a service to the community or they can deal with it. Like we all see it. Like someone gets shot in the neighborhood. You got kids that were skaters and played sports all of a sudden gangbanging now because mm-hmm. their homie was killed. Right. And so yeah. it's like, but that's just kids redirecting their trauma yeah, and not like having, not knowing how to deal with that hurt. Right. And so like when I had the kids in, at reach, like, Oh man, we got to do these fundraisers or this is an issue because there's no lights at the park. And then us pressing the issue with the city and, making that stuff become a reality, then it was like, oh, snap, like, 
we can like do something about mm-hmm. it. Like I don't have to like go talk to this council member. I don't have to go talk to this person. We can just press the issue and make it happen. Yeah, because yeah. I because I feel like in those type of spaces, when you bring people together, especially like through a traumatic phase that everybody could relate, then there's a sense of like, um, I guess a sense of support. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, like that other person is also feeling your traumatic experience as well. And you're both learning in the process that there is no right or wrong feelings about it. But like there could be an outcome to it or there is an outcome to yeah. it. It just depends on how what you give out. Yeah, man. And, and it's not like even when um, when I was at Living, I, I, I ran the after school program right there on Calle Montecito in uh, North River Road. And this was like 2012, 2013. Um, and it was the first time that I had experienced a shooting or a murder. Um, as a mentor, you know what I mean? Not like not not experiencing a shooting or murder, like living here in Oceanside, but as a mentor and it hit a lot different. And I remember I got a I got a text. I was with um, my wife, who was like my fiance at the time. And I got a text from um, um, someone who said there was a shooting like they just said in the valley. And yeah. at that moment, I'm calling like my friends. I'm like, I'm not even thinking about the program because I, I hadn't had an experience that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like making sure that my friends are like, all right. Um, and then I found out it was like the students in the program and then like going to the program the next day and like seeing the kids like and and I had experienced that before, you know, as their age, like I knew what they were feeling. And um, that's like where that lived experiences kicked in. Nothing in school could have taught me how to deal with that situation mm-hmm. other than my own lived experience of understanding that they were pissed. They were upset. They were sad and and just being there for them. And like I learned through that process just as much as they did you know what i mean it's like um and and just trying to just be there just being present um and trying to be consistent and and try to provide like something solid that wasn't going to direct them in a way that was going to hurt them themselves you know what i mean and so like it was those experiences that like eventually helped me get to run resilience and Mm -hmm. be at operation hope you know it's like yeah you know, uh, Jimmy, and uh, well, through the resilience program, uh, how many students do you think uh, you guys ended up helping out throughout these couple of years? Like, ongoing? Uh, yeah, yeah, help yeah. them uh, better their education and all, and all that stuff. Probably like it's over a hundred, bro. It's definitely over a hundred. But we're talking about like North counties. Like these are kids that like you know have been in the newspaper. Their crimes have been in the newspaper. Mm. Like these are the kids that like you know many people have said like they're gonna go to prison these these are the ones that are like you know have gone to like have been locked up for like serious or, or violent offenses or just repeated offenses right and so we're it, we get that we've gotten the opportunity to like come alongside kids bro like and i say kids because we've had people come to like resilience when no one's there and like and the and, and the mentees were there and people would come and they would walk in it's like man i thought you guys work with gang members I was like, we do, bro. Like, we just created a space where they can just chill and they don't have to worry about, like, mm-hmm. putting on this mask. You know what I mean? They can just relax at least for an hour or two. Um, but, yeah, man, like, about 100, like, a little bit over 100. And, I mean, we've had uh, some tragedies within resilience. And, unfortunately, it was, like, kind of expected working with this population, you know? So we've had kids go away for some time. Um, we've had other kids that, like, um, you know, right now are going through it. Um and but at the same time, we've had kids, man, that like who have been through tragedies while being in the program and us being there at the hospital with them or us being there when they get at court and and letting them know that, like, man, this isn't like the end, you know, and um, and I think it, it makes it comes 
it carries a lot more weight when all the mentors have, you know, had two strikes, have two strikes, you know, and it's like when you're talking to to people that some of them have done 18 years, some of them have done 10 years, but at the age of 35, they changed their life mm -hmm. and look at all the impact that they're going to have for like the next 45 years. You know what I mean? They're making yeah. a huge impact in their community. And so like when it's when it's coming from like community leaders with those experiences, like you hope it carries weight, but also understanding that everybody has their own process. You know what I mean? I can come and like walk alongside you and let you know I'm going to answer my phone every time you call. But it's the little steps and it's it doesn't happen until you're ready, you know, and everyone has their own process, man. Unfortunately, like I've had kids call me, you know, after catching like a 10 year bid, call me from prison and saying, oh, like you were right, you know, and, and it's not necessarily like it's not it's not more that I want to be like, oh, yeah, I was right. It's more of like, no, nah, man, like you get the opportunity, like you're going to get out. You're going to be 28 your whole life man like so yeah. it's like just understand that like start prepping yourself for the 10 years from now mm -hmm. and, and look where you look what you what you can do with this you know and so um yeah man it, it's um just i think that the key is to finding like where we can all have an impact you know what i mean and all of us can have an impact it just takes time and and just being intentional and being consistent like you like i said about kick it last i was like man you guys are on episode 2000 like if if someone had like tell me like if i can define kick it labs I, I would say consistency you know what i mean and mm -hmm. i think that's the same thing when it comes to helping the community it's like consistency you know and yeah i i can go on like that's the main thing bro it's not rocket science you know it's like be intentional listen and be consistent like that's what you need to do to help the community. Hey, yeah, facts man. right there. Drop that's by right. Jamie, man. Yeah. Take some notes. Hell yeah. Oh, uh, that was beautiful, bro. Yeah, definitely, man. And uh, you know, this is my first time that I get to meet you today. You know, I know I was gonna say too, this is actually yeah. like the first interactions between Lens and Jimmy, actually, yeah. bro. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> hearing from the guys, they definitely hold you at a high regard, you know, and uh and I can see it today just uh talking to you in this podcast is that you, you definitely do uh care. Uh, about this community you know and uh and that's important to have people like that uh in in the pillars of this city uh because you know people sometimes they they just need an extra push they just need uh to to understand that hey what they're doing is right it's just you know it takes time so it's uh we definitely thank you for for everything that you do for sure man no man i i appreciate you guys man and i think a lot of times it's just like i ask myself like what helped me but also understanding like what helped me might not, you know, it's not, it's not like one like cookie cutter, like, mm -hmm. you know, like everyone got their own formula yeah, everybody's, yeah. and everyone's traumas is different, bro. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, one of the things that I believe, especially like what resilience taught me, cause I learned a lot, I, you know, going into it is like, I had my lived experiences, but I resilience taught me so much, man. And one of the things that when I hear high risk, all I hear is like, man, this kid has a lot of trauma. Like, that's what I usually like. That's the, what I equate it to now. It's like, man, what what has this kid been through? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that it's like, that is that they're fueling this trauma. And usually it comes out, man. Like mo when, you, when you think about like, I, I hear people sometimes like, oh, we should just we, maybe if we just didn't have no gangs. And I was like, man, like gangs are a symptom of poverty and trauma. You know, and if we don't provide like resources and opportunities for people to heal, they're going to find an avenue for them to like vent or not necessarily vent, but direct that mm -hmm. trauma, you know. And so it's just like it's not necessarily like the gangs is always like the surface level thing. And that's what we found out with resilience. Like 
it wasn't so much like us bringing all these kids together that were from different gangs. It was like we were bringing kids together that were hurting and like feel like hopeless, like for real, for real, like hopeless, you know, and, and it's like we hopefully we're able to provide them some hope. And, you know, I, I just to like just touch on something that was like for me, like when a kid graduates the program, we do like these post surveys and we ask them, like, what was the most impactful thing about resilience? And it wasn't like anything like crazy bro it's like it goes back to like human nature they said two things and these are all kids from the hood like all throughout north county they said the field trips like because we always did all the field trips outside of like north county like Mm -hmm. and if we did anything in north county it was like something that they they never done like kayaking hiking like get them out of their element right yeah Um, but we would always do field trips outside of uh, north county and we eat we are everywhere we go we eat and they said the field trips and you know having a mentor someone that i can like um you know just um yeah i could talk to him and rely on it's like that's not rocket science man it's very Mm -hmm. simple yeah you know and so it's like those are the two things that that's that has has stood out and that's what people always say and so like we just try to provide more of that um just exposure and like consistency you know there you go there you go you know especially for the teenagers man uh you know that they, they got already so much things internally going on, plus like their household. But being, as you said right now, dude, getting out of their element, trying something new that 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 creates new uh, waves in their mm-hmm. brains, dude. Like possibilities. It, yeah, you know, and even like taking them out of their element and taking them to an environment where they don't have to watch their back and be out in public, like not, never never experienced that or not having experienced that for a while. Mm-hmm. Like that alone, that sense of peace. Even if it's for two hours and it may show you like, damn, like life doesn't always have to be so dangerous. It doesn't always have to be so active. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's like when you talk to people that are locked up, a lot of them just say, man, I just want to come home, get a job, you know, get a place for me and my girl and my kids and just live this quiet life. Yeah. Like that's what like people dream of. It's not like these like elaborate things, you know, and and, and it puts things in perspective. Yeah, that's for sure. And right now that uh, now you're currently doing the uh, executive director with Hope, uh, uh, how how do you feel about that in this last six months? Yeah, man, it's I, I, learning, bro. Like I'm 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 learning. I, I think one of the things that like I was very, um, um, you know, nervous about stepping into this position uh, because it was like not directly um, working with this level of service of servicing our community that's unsheltered. Um, but one of the things that I felt like I was experiencing is like developing culture within an organization, um, developing the team and uh, focusing on like team empowerment and really trying to empower those that um, the team, you know, because a lot of the people that are at Operation Hope are first gen, gra- uh, you know, college students, like many of them are entering to like entry level job or some of them are like most of them are like, you know, people of color who are still looking for their opportunity within the nonprofit world, but this is their passion. And so for me to be able to just come alongside them and like understanding that, like, man, if I can, if you can, if I can, you know, come alongside you for a year or two while you're here and develop your career, like eventually we'll be like partners, you know, you might be with another organization, but you'll work. I want to see you move up. And, and that's something that goes back to culture, you know, and, and giving people the opportunity uh, to be leaders within the organization. That's something that I've always believed in. Like, if you have an idea, let's move forward with it. And if it doesn't work, that's cool. Like, you'll you'll learn more from that versus me just telling you how to do something, right? Um, and so I, that, that's been one of the things that I felt like I was experienced coming in, but just learning about the, um, 
our homeless um, challenges in, in our community and, and how it's a lot bigger and complex than I thought it was. Like even the the families that we're serving, just like how I was talking about resilience. If you come to our shelter, you're not, you're going to be like, I thought you worked with homeless people. Like if you look, if you think about the perception of how people see homeless people, mm-hmm. right. And like our residents, bro, in the morning, they're in their work uniform, the little kids wearing their backpacks, getting ready for school. Um, you know, our parking lot's like empty during the day, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and residents are out there looking for jobs or they're already working. They've been working. They came to us with the job. You know, they just can't afford like what's 22, 2,500 mm-hmm. times two and a half times exactly. three to like live like in the hood. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is right now. And if you're a single mom with three kids and it's like, yeah. So when families come to us at the shelter, they're able to stay with us for 90 to 120 days. They're able to save. Everything's paid for. Um, and then we have a programming, too. So we have like parenting classes, financial literacy, uh, resource development, housing navigation. Larry, understand how to like um, navigate, you know, through that different housing um, system. And then we have case managers there to support them um, in their process. And then we also have um, a youth coordinator that's able to work with the kids in school. Um, and just provide that support. And then like during the holidays, like we're going to give them a Christmas, you know, we're going to give them a Thanksgiving. We're going to, um, we're going to be able to uh, hopefully provide, you know, our main job is to provide them hope, provide them resources and provide them support, you know? And so, um, yeah, man, just seeing like the, the, the challenges, it's like, you have to be very intentional and um, it has to, there has to be a lot of investment in it um, from, you know, um, from the top down. Um, to help our families but it's like it really breaks your heart bro like when I first got there and I remember I was talking to some of the kids and I and I knew they were local families but some it hit me bro like I asked a little girl I think she was like in fifth grade and I was like oh what school do you go to and she told me bro and it was like do I have like cousins and I know people that go to that school mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it just hit me different because it was like like to know that like this like my daughter could be going to school with kids that are in a shelter. Like it just breaks mm-hmm. your heart, bro. But yeah. at the same time, understanding like our purpose for them, you know what I mean? And, and so we also have a food pantry and a boutique where our families who have graduated the program can come. And even though they're, they're no longer homeless, most of them are still living in poverty and you know, they're able to come and get services still once they graduate the program, but to see them and also see like how they're um, now yeah. building and they, they just need it like three or four months. Like, we had a mom, bro, like uh, right before I got there that was at the shelter who came um, with their kids. And, bro, she graduated from Cal State San Marcos while staying at our shelter. Damn. Like wow. she was in her last semester at Cal Damn. State, but living like like they were homeless. You know what I mean? And so it's like just to know that we were able to provide that support um, for that mom and, and her kids, like the stability, you know? Um, yeah, it's like but I'm still learning, bro. Like there's still so much I have to learn. Um and so I, I'm enjoying it though. Yeah, that's right. And are you guys uh, taking any volunteers right now Always, during the holidays? Bro. I was working with volunteers all day today from uh, Cal State San Marcos and Miracles. So we were painting uh, the food pantry. Um, and so one of my big things is making sure that, like, um, you know, we we really uplift um, the spaces that we have. So like when our residents are there, they feel cared for, they feel invested in, um, and nothing feels like. Um, you know, hand-me-downs, nothing. It all feels like a, a place where it's like, no, we care about you. This is a place where we're going to uplift you. And um, y- you're you're not going to have to have, like, lower, like, self-esteem or we want to uplift, like, everything, bro. Like, we just mm-hmm. want to be a place that it's like, 
uh, it's empowering. And so we had um, uh, volunteers uh, today and they're helping us paint and stuff like that. But we always have volunteers, bro. And we, we have volunteers today, like while we have people um, doing stuff at the pantry, we had volunteers at the shelter working with the kids and like just doing activities. But we're highly dependent on volunteers, you know, like it, it's needed. And, and, and it's really like, you know, wherever your passion is, we try to align our volunteers to make sure that they're getting a meaningful experience as well. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Where can uh, where can people reach out if they if they're interested in volunteering? Or yeah, Operation out? Hope Shelter org, um, and you can just um, there's a link on there that people can just go ahead and uh, submit their application, and someone will get back to you within forty eight hours, forty eight business hours, mm-hmm. forty eight business hours. Yeah, yeah, Like our administration, like uh, usually they don't they're not doing anything on the weekends. Like as far mm-hmm. as like following up on calls, like we're we're usually in projects or like outreach stuff, but like as far as like doing admin work on the weekends, like that's not, uh, that's Monday through Friday. There you yeah. go. All yeah. right. I like that. Yeah. So what what are some of the, the issues that, that you have to deal with in, in your new position? I think a lot of it, man, a lot of it goes back to like educating um, community, educating um, elected officials, educating um, our business community, um, and also just making sure that we're always fundraising because we're a nonprofit organization that operates 24 seven throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, we have a shelter with 45 beds. Uh, we're a small team, but still that's a, that's a team that's operating 24 seven, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, um, and then the shelter always, I mean, it's a shelter and man, it, like things are always like always need maintenance. Like yeah. even before, like I left today, like, one of the volunteers was washing, I think, one of the brushes, and there was like a leak coming from the pipe of the sink, and it was like then we had to figure out, oh, let's turn off the water, let's call like the landlord, yeah. like. But you know, like just like anything, man, like there's always upkeep, and all of that, you know, costs money, um, because we're a high barrier shelter, um, so there's low barrier shelter and high barrier shelter. High barrier shelter means that like um, uh, drug tests are required mm-hmm. to get into the shelter, and then also programming is required. So um so anyone that comes to the shelter like has to do the program yeah it's not an option we'll get drug tested um and so because we're a high barrier shelter our funding is not where we only get about 35 percent funding from the from our local government or just from the government in general um so the team uh, myself and some of our leadership um, you know, it's always talking to corporations, always talking to faith based communities. We have to fundraise mm-hmm. uh, to keep the shelter going. And it literally like that's one of the biggest like that's one of the biggest parts of my job. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that comes with just e- educating. And um, yeah, because a lot of the a lot of the funding like resilience, resilience is like 95 percent funded by local government. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took a while for like them to understand, like it's cheaper to invest in a reentry program than it is to invest in recidivism, people getting locked up. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's just educating. Hopefully we'll be able to get more support on that, on that end. But yeah, man, we're open 20, we're open 365 days out of the year wow. on Christmas, Thanksgiving, we're going to have staff working there, you know? And so it's like paying for the lights, the Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. everything. So yeah, like that's one of the biggest challenges. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. But it's support and love from like our volunteers and our staff, bro. It's there. Yeah. You know, so. Well, now you guys know uh, everybody listening on the IG and uh, live on the YouTube, uh, you know, they definitely uh, need some help. So anything you guys can do, 
uh, to lend a helping hand, please reach out for sure. Yeah, reach out, man, or hit up Jimmy himself. But I think it'll be easier if you go through the the Hope North County or even uh, Resilience. So please support, man. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a season of giving. Yeah. Season of giving. I'm about to give some shout outs to the comments that we do have. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Piccolo, yeah. let me hold the wheel. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did see those pop off, man. I just it was kind of hard with the conversation. It was great. All right. And that's Val Eddie. Oh, okay. This is the homie um Eddie Villarillo. Hell yeah, give a shout out to him. The, the homie Eddie with the mustache. You know him, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shout him. out. <laughs> hey, shout out, big homie. Like the movie Father Stu, he was able to reach out to certain groups because of who he is and how he was brought up. Okay, that was a little. Oh, bit. he's doing like a comparison to a movie. Damn, mm-hmm. Dope. That was. We got Victor Sanchez saying shout out Kicker Labs. Hey, shout out Victor. Hey. Hope you enjoying yourself, bro. Is this program someone can volunteer help with? That's when we talk about home. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, sir. And then I'm there. I'll reach out. And you see, Jimmy, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, resilience like that. The volunteering with resilience is a little bit more difficult because we're working with youth. You know what I mean? And then it's like the court system yeah and probation and the judges so that's always been a difficult people always are interested in how they can volunteer with resilience and it's like that that's always a touchy one so like for us we we just try to connect the resilience kids to different programs that like we believe in or the programs that we know that there's resources there so yeah. like um navarre's boxing like that's been a, a partner of resilience since like covid man 2000 october 2020 since they moved to oceanside mm. um i reached out to brian uh the owner and me and him grew up in Tri-City together. And when he was in Vista, um, we tried to take a few of the kids there. But, you know, the di- at that time, all the kids were in Oceanside and, and the distance. Uh, and then COVID hit. And I told him, man, if you guys ever moved to Oceanside, like, I would love to be able to partner. And since, like, the month they moved to Oceanside, bro, like, Resilience has been actively going to uh, Navarre's. And he's opened up his gym. And I think he's now they're going to open it up to the Reach kids. And, nice. Um, but being able to partner with, you know, people that, like, I know. I don't have to like you can go without me and I know you're going to get love and support because of like who they are, mm-hmm. you know, and um, same thing with Miracosta and Palomar and Cal State. They have their different programs. Uh, they're called Transitions and uh, Project Rebound. And it's uh, programs led by formerly incarcerated um, who are co- who are college students now or employees of those campuses. Mm-hmm. And being able to take the kids into those environments, too, has always been a big deal, man, like being able to take a kid out of his environment and put him like in a college campus and, and expose them yeah. to that. And then the people that are r- running those groups are formerly incarcerated. So they're able to see that um, and then hear about all the resources. So like, those are like the different avenues that we've been able to like partner with community with resilience. Um, and it helps the kids get off probation too. Cause then you're able yeah. to show the judge like, man, he's going to Miracosa. He's going to Cal State. He's uh, going to boxing. You know nine times out of 10, that's how they be in these programs. But that's the bait sometimes. It's like, bro, if you do this program, like it'll help you get off probation. It's going to look good with the judge. But we always know like, that's part of like, okay, like that's what we're telling them. But we know that when they get there, um, they're going to connect with Bruce and Miracosa and Bruce is going to show them mad love. And little by little, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce is going to like, man, this financial aid, like you should check out this class, come check it out with me. And then now he's got his relationship with Bruce. Right. Yeah. And then he shows up to Navarre's and it's like, he's getting love there. And next thing you know, they get off probation and they're still programming the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's all you try to do, man. It's like yeah. plan C's provide options. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that, that's, that's the beautiful thing about, you know, helping actually develop the community and making, yeah. making a positive change because it's, it's hard. Everybody, uh, you know, wants a better for the community, but to fully act on it, it's a, 
it's a whole different show, dude. So yeah. I, Jimmy, appreciate that that you do that for for us here in Oceanside and in all the North County, man. But you can't do it alone, bro. Like I've always like learned that it's like how do you align yourself and partner with others who have like a similar mission? Because it's like if if I know you got something going on. And it's like, okay, I might have only three or four kids that are interested, but now that's three or four kids that have an extra mentor, right? Mm -hmm. Or have some, have an extra place to go. And it's always just aligning with others who like are maybe passionate about like, I don't know, like photography or, or passionate about like, maybe like I just had someone reach out to me, um, Manny, uh, uh, Manny, who's, um, he grew up in Tri-City, but he's, he's a labor union leader. And he comes to resilience and talks to kids about how to like get part of the labor union. He's a former two striker. Uh, and, uh, but he grew up here. And so like, he's out in Southeast now, but he'll still come and talk, but it's like, okay, how do we, maybe a few kids that, that might be for them and just trying to mm -hmm. like connect them to different avenues, um, and seeing what sticks for yeah. who, but it takes partnerships, man, because for it's sure. like, if you're passionate about something that is about like potentially help these kids or help these families that are unsheltered, it's like, yeah, man, let's talk about it and let's see how, how, let's see how it works, you know? yeah it's a community it's a, it's a community thing yeah and that's for sure and, and then like um you know we'll, we'll talk about this more off camera but uh you know if there's anything that we could do as well you know um to help oh, out, this you know, man I'm just sure. volunteered us dog <laughs> hey, that's hey, about well, you when know, the hell did you start speaking for me like <laughs> hey, who knows? maybe we could start a program where we get where we get some of the kids to come over here and and, and mess with this uh podcast yeah with the equipment yeah, man yeah, yeah. yeah but no but even like um I think the first time we met was at Humanity Showers exhibit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah we were doing the yeah. the gallery showing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a sick event. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's the first time we met. You know what I mean? And so like you guys already provide like you utilize your platform to highlight like you don't have to have me on like you know what I mean? But you guys did so like I, I appreciate that. But like um, even like running the pot the, the Kick It uh, Labs podcast out of the exhibit. You know, and highlighting like what was going on there with humanity showers and, and Oscarine with lived experiences, like that was dope. Like, and that probably, you know, and it, it might have inconvenienced the set and you guys having to move like what you guys had over there, but you did it because you saw the value in like yeah, you know, we we with, well, well as, when we saw it too, like I I could agree that me, Louis, and Vic and JT at the time also decided that it was it was just the right thing to do at that yeah, point. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be like we're all at every place, but it's mm -hmm. like by you guys doing that, that was your way of like helping out. And I, I see how many fundraisers you guys are a part of. And it's like you guys are every time you can. One of you guys is there representing Kick It Labs, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's key, too, Like, because that that helps the community. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, and that, that's what it's about. Dude. It's uh, uh, I think to try to be selfish with well, one one certain aspect of uh of the part of the community that you're in it's it, it's fuck, i kind of lost myself <laughs> it's hard you're like, like like it's it's supposed to be about giving you know making right. sure that people also can share the platform it's like i mean because we could just be all three here by ourselves the whole entire time never have guests but like it's not about that you know we want to hear the stories we want to make sure that people are heard as well and uh i don't know man like that's what that's what i love about the podcast right. myself yeah that's what's up yeah, that's uh, it's always um, really good to be able to uh, put um, people that that are doing something positive uh, to give them a voice here on the podcast. You know, that's always our been our goal, um, especially since I joined. You know, it's it's always been uh, to put people in front of the microphone that that have made a difference or can make a difference, 
So it's it's always important to us to to try and do our part. That's what's up, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Now, Jimmy, I did have one question. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a little bit more unrelated, but I think it still comes down to the city of Oceanside. Uh, I, I know that you were um, involved just in, in a small sense with like uh, the amphitheater in, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, in the beach. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that that thing, that thing finished. I don't know if they're going to start developing or if they're planning on having another hearing. But I just wanted to ask if you I, I had any more I think it's always going to be ongoing. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like when you look at a, at a piece of our city um, – that can generate revenue you're always going to have folks interested in acquiring it or having ownership or and sometimes ownership doesn't even look like it can belong to the city of oceanside but if the key dates um are already reserved for like specific corporations or entities like that's part of like a way that takes away from the community Mm -hmm. um and doesn't become reflective of the community right so like when i was a kid like Cinco de Mayo was huge uh, down at the amphitheater, you know, and it went far. Fourth of July was huge um, down in Oceanside and you had all the vendors, Juneteenth and like the Filipino, like all of these, all of these different events. But like if I don't know, like a corporation comes in and says, we want July 4th, we want May 5th. You know what I mean? All these yeah. key dates or the summer dates. And like we don't have access to that. That That's when it becomes an issue, you know, mm-hmm. and I think at that time, um, a lot of it was Junior Seau's um, sister, Mary Seau, that was pushing it. And whenever you have like community members step up, then it's like, okay, how can we all rally behind um, this movement that we believe in? And so I was just there to support, you know, the Seau family any way that I could, you know, but at the same time, it's like, bro, like that was, that's part of our history. But understanding that it's always going to be um, a tug of war um, for, you know, our downtown area because it, it generates revenue, you know? And yeah. so like, it's just, um, you know, they'll have these meetings at city council and all that. And if we don't show up, then it's like, I'll, I'll guarantee you who always shows up, like developers always show up, you know, corporations always show up. Those who um, could potentially make revenue off of some of our, um, you know, some of our spaces, they're always at the meetings. You know what I mean? And they're having the meetings, they're having the meetings before the meeting, all of that, you know? And so yeah. like, we need to show up that one specifically, like you couldn't even get into city hall. It was so packed. People had to wait outside to just speak because that's how many community members were there. And um, yeah, I think that's just, that, that was like very empowering to be a part of because you saw everything black, white, Samoan, Mexican, Filipino, everyone was there. You know what I mean? Because it was like one, like junior Seau is um, a legend in our, in our, in, in mm-hmm. our, you know, in our city, but at the same time, we all have history at that amphitheater. And so just, you know, but that's always going to, that's not, that's not going to be the last time that either the amphitheater or something else comes up, you know, maybe it'll be buddy Todd park one day Mm -hmm. because what's going to stop like a resort from wanting that, that property, you know what I mean? Or maybe it's going to be like Tyson park or it's always going to be something, man. Yeah. You know? And, and, And it's like, we have to be involved in that process. Um, to figure out what our city's going to look like, you know? And so like, that's why like platforms are like important. Like you said, people are running for office. They want to come here. Well, you know what I mean? Like you guys get the opportunity to ask those questions. And I think that's important, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man, I think that's always going to be, it's always going to be some, man. It, it really is. Yeah. I never even thought about body Todd park until now, dude. Like, <laughs> hey, but you're right. That's a great location. Or Buccaneer park. Yeah. But buddy Todd park, the views, 
Yeah, you do like, have some nice view, dude. You, know, you get to see the ocean like from a certain point mm-hmm. in that park. It's great. There was um last year, um, there was talks about like, so you know how they close ocean shores down, right? Yeah, yeah. they close yeah. ocean shores down, they close down CBA. When I was when I was coming up, CBA was just starting. And I think it was gonna be like my freshman class that was gonna be the first class being sent to CBA. Um where you're, they were sending you directly out of like uh, middle school if you didn't uh, pass the writing prompt, mm-hmm. depending on what your SAT nine scores were and your GPA, you you were going to go directly to CBA. Um, Claire Bergner, they closed both of those schools and they merged them at Dittmar. And you know, Resilience had the opportunity to be a part of those conversations. The staff there is amazing, um, and they really went out of their way to even meet with Resilience staff and Resilience kids, like in a closed setting, and said, "Man, if you had to like craft your dream school, what would it look like?" And the kids were able, kids from every neighborhood were pretty much saying, like, this is what we need at that school to feel safe. But one of the things that was already like a common denominator that people liked uh, was what, where the location was. Like, Dittmar is not located in anyone's hood. Mm-hmm. And, and it's safe and it's nice. You can smell the ocean. Like, it, it has, like, um, just this vibe to it. And the way that the school set up, it's going to limit issues. And so people were nervous. You know, resilience has been on campus pretty much since that school started. And that's one of the kids, the kid, that's one of the things that our kids ask for. Like if resilience is there, like we'll be cool. And mind you, they also brought in the staff that like, they brought in like, if you watch Dangerous Minds, they brought in all the Michelle Pfeiffer's of Oshita Unified School District. They got, <laughs> they got the coolest like security guards there. You know what I mean? Like they brought yeah. in the staff that like, is gonna talk to you with respect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so um, it's gonna talk with you with respect. They're not gonna command respect. They're just, you're gonna, because of how they, you know, the approach, yeah. right? You know that they care. It worked like it worked and imagine that like it had less issues than Oceanside and El Camino this school that like pretty much is now like the CBA and Ocean Shores together everyone was like man this is amazing a year goes by and all of a sudden there's talks about closing that school and moving that campus or that program that you know moving Surfside because that's what they named it when they closed Claire Bergner and Ocean Shores closing Surfside which is at the Denmark campus and moving it to Del Rio in the Valley, in the Deep Valley. Mm. And I was like, you're going to move this school into the Deep Valley. Like, why? And they were like, man, because a lot of the kids uh, that come here live there and it'll be closer for them, which I get, like, you know, proximity, I get. But the kids in the Deep Valley were coming out like, we don't want to go to school here. Like, we feel safe going to, like, yeah. uh, Surfside. And it's going to be less issues because if you move to Del Rio, we guarantee you, like, we're going to tell you right now who's not going to come to the school. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a fact. And there's already issues at that 7-Eleven. There's already issues at the Big Liquor. There's already issues at that Transit Center. You're going to move this school to that campus? And it wasn't necessarily about that. What I saw was the Pacifica property sold, I don't know for how many millions. The Pacifica property is the one located down in the deep um, off Redondo. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so behind... Um, uh, the 7-Eleven and all that in the Deep Valley. That that property sold for millions. They're going to build single-family homes. If that property sold for millions, imagine how much the Dittmar property is worth. That's right by the beach. Yeah. Yeah, you I think know? I actually saw an article floating around this yeah, yeah. year where they were trying to uh, close the school because uh, they were trying to develop the land. Yeah, because imagine how much money that would bring into the school district, which I get. But at, at, at what point, man, like at, at, the, at the expense of these kids' lives, like now you've created a yeah. school that these kids have hope. This program works. Like, and these are the kids who have like everyone's given up on and now they have a space where they feel safe and you're going to close it. And so like that's it's things like that, that you're always like wrestling against like common sense and the best interests of the community versus like 
the bottom line, like, you know, what can help the school's budget or what can help the city's budget or what can like, which I understand, like, those are practical things that we need to consider. Yeah, but, capitalism be a motherfucker, but it, Jimmy. <laughs> but, it, but it's always yeah. at the expense of our black and brown kids, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, but if we're not showing up to those school board meetings when we're not showing up to um, city council meetings and things just happen, what happened in that issue and showed the power of the community was in order for all that to happen, in order for all that to happen, for them to get the Dittmar property, they were going to have to close down Del Rio Elementary. And what ended up happening was um, Del Rio parents connected with Libby parents, mm. Libby parents connected uh, with Reynolds. And, and instead of like, I think they were hoping that they would go like at odds with each other, you know, all like all those moms or all of those parents came together and they all protested at each other's schools together. Damn. And they all pressed the issue. And it showed the power again of like, that wasn't like Reynolds, Libby, and Del Rio. That became the Valley coming together and saying, no, like, you're not going to do that. But a lot of it was like, I was thinking, it's like, this is all about Dittmar. This is about the Dittmar property, you know? And so yeah. it's like, so you're always going to wrestle. And that's not going to be the last time that Dittmar becomes an issue. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like that. that's all. those those spaces we're always going to have to fight for. Yeah. You know? It also has to do with like uh, people that are in power. Power changes hands over mm -hmm. over time. So once once maybe right now, okay, well, we're gonna leave that alone. The next person that comes to power, be like, hey, this this right here is a whole bunch of money just sitting there. Yeah, let's do something about it. Yeah. You know, so you're right, man. It it is always gonna be um, an issue or something that gets brought up. Yeah, it's it's always gonna be something we're gonna have to fight for, and it gets it, sometimes it gets exhausting, dog, because you you start thinking like, damn, again, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But that's why it's important for us to be connected. So it's not like, damn, again, here we go. No, it's like, yeah, okay, let's, you know what I mean? Let's like, let's push the issue, and we're deep. Yeah, you know, we don't have to worry about like, because yeah, with you know, you assume that like a developer, someone's just gonna feel like, all right, we'll get them next time. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll get these people in office. We'll put money in there. And and their campaign, and once we get them in office, because I'm gonna be real, man. If they get if if whoever has the majority in office can get whatever passed, all you need is three votes. Yeah, right. You need three votes, and so like if someone, if a developer comes in and says we want this property, and we need those votes, like their key, their strategy, their chess game is I got to get my people in office, mm -hmm. and I'll put money towards their campaign. You know, and so it's just like. And they're, you're going to see for every um, one sign for the person that we know and we believe in, there's like 50 signs for this person we never heard of. <laughs> yeah. And the first time we're seeing them, you know, is now and they're running for office. You know what I mean? But their signs are everywhere. And it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, man. So it's like we always just have to be critical about that. Yeah. Um, politics is crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Politics is a monster. It's like in downtown San Diego where they have that big ass empty building that's going to be there for years. And yeah. that's actually relating to one of the to what you just said right now which is fucking crazy yeah i didn't really look too deep into it because it's like kusi mm -hmm. and lately they've been coming out with some crazy shit <laughs> <laughs> but they're also like they, they provide the platform for candidates for certain yeah. candidates right and so mm -hmm. it's like again like it goes back to like i help you get in office so when you get in office like i expect some support yeah you know what i mean and, and it goes back so that's why like i've always been big on like how do we get people in office that i know grew up in this neighborhood or, or are still proximate to that neighborhood because it doesn't have to be like a Democrat, Republican, black, white, Mexican, Samoan issue. It's like if we both live on this street, it's our issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then it goes back to one of those things that it's like, I hope that you're going to care about it because it's like you're dealing with it, too. You know what I mean? And so but many times it's not like 
people from our communities in office because it's expensive, bro. It's expensive to yeah. run for for city council. It's Hell expensive yeah. to run for mayor. And, you know, and, and and a lot of times, like, our communities mm-hmm. don't have the opportunities, like, financially to compete. Mm-hmm. Anyone can say, oh, anybody can do it. But really, can you? Because you need about 75000 to, like, run for city council. Dang. You need about 150 to be competitive to run for mayor. So mm-hmm. can anybody really? Well, you know. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it's tough, dude. And I think um, we, we've talked about it with uh, 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 previous candidates when they were running uh, some the independent route, some with, uh, uh, man, uh, I forgot the, the word. Um, oh, endorsements. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it, it, it's all different because uh, you, you have to pay to register. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to pay uh, uh, for the forms and then plus uh, for the advertisement and all that. It, it, it adds up, dude. And, yeah. you know, when you're campaigning, it's not like you have a job. Like your, 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 your new job is basically your campaign. So you can get into <laughs> office. It's just. It's just well, a lot of people that run, bro, either run, they, they come from money or they're retired. So you, that's why you get specific candidates always in office. You know yeah. what I mean? And so like when you have someone that's like a working person, now they're like, not only does this person have to compete to try to raise funds, but they're competing against time because they're working. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like a lot of times you're getting retired folks um, in office. And so it's just like and um, you get, you know, folks that have a lot more money. Not yeah. a lot more money, but in comparison to like, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods that we grew up in, yeah, you know, they have a lot more money. Hey, Jimmy, guess who? Speaking about that, guess who's gonna be? Guess who's gonna be running for city council next time around? Who? Bruce Oceanside Trenchcoat guy. <laughs> he he <laughs> announced it. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we had him in an episode a, a few cool. months ago, and uh, yeah, he says that he wants to run for uh, city councilman. Uh, Bruce Trenchcoat. Trench I guy. saw that you guys had him on, man. That was like. That was real cool, man. And I think even like providing him like um, opportunity for him to share his experiences and like and that that's cool because, you know, for us, we see him and it's like we you know, he's part of our city. Um, but how many tourists come in and like see him and they're like, you know, taking video, not knowing what he what he yeah. he's like for us, it'd be more nor it'd be more weird for us not to see him out there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was a really cool episode. Um, you know, it's crazy how you put a microphone in front of somebody and you learn so much. You know, it's like, dude, he's actually a really cool dude. Yeah. You know, he, he's, oh, yeah. he's an awesome person. Oh, yeah, too. Bruce Steffel is dope as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get to watch the whole interview, but I, I saw like maybe like five or like six minutes of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was real cool, man. And I've seen a couple videos that people have like interviewed him too, not like. Like in a podcast style, just like yeah, in his element, yeah, you know what I mean. It's just it's just cool to hear a little bit about his story. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. No, man, but like I, I'll be real. Like I and in 2020, I thought about running for for District Three because that's where I live and that's where the mm-hmm. district that I grew up in. And you know, at the same time, we were like in the middle of like the pandemic, and we hadn't accomplished everything that um, was set out strategically for resilience given our like five-year plan yeah and but i told myself i'll never let like another election pass me by that i can't run for you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like this upcoming election that i'm available to run for which is 2024 i'll be running for district three oh okay you heard it here first yeah Yeah. and so that lives exclusive that runs from um south o all the way to ocean hill so pretty much like the border of like lake boulevard canyon Mm -hmm. uh the vista carlsbad Oceanside space, man. But like That's I was, it. I was born and raised in District Three, which is main. You know, the middle of it is Tri City, 
And for me, that's the part of like district three that, you know, because it's sandwiched in between fire mountain and ocean Hills, like you you have tri city right there, but like me and my family were raised in, in in tri city and not just like my media family, but like a lot of my family members, we we were really deep in, in in the tri city area. So like I spent time in Sherborne park and John Landis park and Marvin and cameo and, and thunder and all of that. And so like, for me, it's like, just, I think the key is representation though. You know what I mean? Thinking about the city as a whole, like um, making sure that we have people in those spaces um, that you don't have to explain things to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, we just get it. And also that like, that are available, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I get tired, man. I don't like, like, I get really like upset when I see people running that like, I've never heard of them. I, mean, I never seen them in the community, but it's like, they run because it's like, it's open seat. It's open seat and they run. And the thing is like, I always tell people like, watch out for them, man, because I guarantee you, if they lose, you're not going to see them again until like the next election. You don't see them nowhere, you know, and, crazy. And, and we have that happen way too often. And I think that's stuff that it's irritating. It's disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like being from yeah. here, it's like, man, like it's very disrespectful, you know, and it, and it makes me very upset. Um, but yeah, man, like 2024. Hell yeah. yeah. Sweet. That's I right. mean, yeah. that, that we just had the, I think the midterms come up like yeah. last month. So. Hey, you got to start picking up now, Jimmy. Yeah, man. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. That's right. Yeah. yeah well, I guess uh, b- before we even uh, try to go on break, uh, for the 2024, w- when does uh, that uh, officially start, like, uh, with uh, candidates actually yeah, running? There, and there's a specific their... time limit, yeah. but I, th- I think for me, like, I'm starting right now. Mm. Yeah, I'm starting right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get a head right. start. <laughs> Get a head start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, well, you know what you could get, also get a head start in? Catching yourself at Black Plague Brewery for a full metal burger. <laughs> Located right there in Oceanside and also one in Escondido. Burger so damn good, you don't need no fries. But we'll give it to you anyways. Catch him right there in Escondido if you are looking for those fries. Real quick, you would think he's reading from somewhere, but this right. is... I'm on the clock, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce got That's those right. reads locked in. <laughs> teleprompter. <laughs> nah, he's got it all memorized, man. Bruce, that shit was great, goat. wasn't it, Jimmy? <laughs> You're like, man, this motherfucker right away. <laughs> yeah, it's different every week too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you never know when he's gonna jump in, man. And Bruce, good job, man. And uh, on that note, uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Lived Experiences, you know, for doing what they do for Humanity Showers, um, and of course uh, the Resilience Program, Hope North County, um, just. Man, keep keep on doing your thing and shit. I don't, I don't know what else to say besides keep hydrated and have yourself a good break. We'll be right back, man. Stay tuned through the messages. Once again, we right here with Jimmy Figueroa. This is the Kicking Podcast. Yo. Still alive, still alive. Uh well, yes, sir. Everybody, thank you so much for sticking through the messages. Once again, we're kicking it here with our homie, Jimmy Figueroa. Uh, shout out again to Lived Experiences, uh, Resilience, and Hope for North County, and Humanity Showers, man. Thank you, everybody that helps the community and tries to make a positive change for everybody that is looking for a little bit of hope in their life. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. That is true, man. Well, welcome back, man. How yeah. how was uh that first, first half? half? Yeah, it's cool, man. It, it went it went by quick. I was telling the guys when I first got here, I was tired, bro. And I down this whole coffee. <laughs> so, like, it kicked in as soon as you guys started asking questions. So, there you go. Oh, I bet. I oh, know you you kept going on it with the answers too as well, and got more depths right into it. That was very that was a very insightful interview so far. I can yeah. say. Well, man, I, I appreciate. I just appreciate the opportunity, man. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, thanks again dude, for stopping by. That 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 hour just kind of flew by, dude. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we didn't even get to some of the comments because like the conversation was so good. You were answering their questions before we even like asked them. Like it, it was great, dude. Yeah. So for everybody who commented on the IG, we apologize that we didn't get to some of those comments. But if you were on the YouTube or anywhere else, uh thanks again. And if you made it this far into the episode on the Spotify. Much appreciated. Yeah. Well, Skip Beats on the first half, I didn't get to it either. Skip Beats says, my boy Jimmy. That's right, man. I haven't seen Skip. Yeah, man. Pre- man, I haven't seen Skip in a minute. I know you guys had him on the show. Um, but yeah, man, he, he uh, I know he no longer lives in Oceanside in California, man, but much love to Skip, man. Hell yeah. That's right. Good dude. Yeah, he's grinding. Oh, we see yeah, him on social always, media. Always. Like, he's always up to something. Yeah, always, always, always working, man. That's something that, like, um, that I love to see people that, that like, have a dream and then, like, put the work in. And mm-hmm. I and I think that that's one of the things that like it's it's you it, the respect and you admire and you just see someone's like in their element grinding like that's always dope to see. That's yeah, right. but you're always out there grinding too, Jimmy. I mean, uh, you were talking that they now you've been doing the the boxing lately. Yeah, and they yeah. have to wake up like super early in the morning just to get the session in. Like, yeah, that's nuts. bro. Like, but you know, it's um waking is it, crazy because once you get there, because uh, so the the morning class starts at six ten. And I probably always get in there like at 6, 13, 16. <laughs> Coach Brian's always like, you know. But um, we, we start at 6, 10 because the street sweeper comes at 6. Um, but, man, it's like every – like I don't know if everyone, but, like, for me, like, I'm still asleep. And it's like it's like round three, round four, and I'm pouring sweat in. Like, my, then my brain, like, kicks in. And you start, like – and that and I think that's, like, for me, it's, like, it's, it's, it's easier to do that and then have someone – like, that's probably, like, one of the only times – throughout the day that someone's like pouring into me and like having me just like push through an obstacle. And so like in the mornings, man, I'm always struggling, but it's like, um, yeah, you're waking up and it's like, and it's dope, bro. Like you're in downtown. Like, I don't like prior to like going to Navarre's the way that I like I've been going, like I never got the opportunity to experience downtown like that in a long time where it's like, I'm in downtown three times a week, four times a week. And it's like, I was telling Bruce, like, to see downtown so dead at that time. Cause like when we get there, it's dark still, you know? And then when you get out, oh, the kids from Oceanside are barely going to school and all that. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's dope, bro. Like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And have yeah. you always uh, been a fan of boxing? Always bro. Like my, my whole life, my whole life. That's how like me, my, my, my brother and my dad, like uh, <laughs> connect, you know what I mean? That's I grew right. up watching Chavez going to, you know, watching Chavez fights and then, yeah. but I've been like, boxing is one of the sports that like I follow year round. Like, I get to go to, you know, I got, I've gone to fights with my family and like, I never, um, like trained in boxing up until like, um, until Brian moved to Oceanside and mm-hmm. I started going to Navarre's boxing. Um, but I've been like, boxing is like one of the things that like me and my dad, like I, we, yeah, bro. Like I've been following boxing my whole life. That's like probably that and like basketball are the two sports, but like boxing is like, I love it, bro. That's right. You ball up too a little bit. I used to, like, yeah, I used to. I mean, when I was when I was younger, I, I, I played ball, and then like I still yeah. do here and there. Like I usually play ball on, on Mondays. I would have been playing ball tonight, but it's like, right. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like an old man, bro. Like yeah, you know, it's just like you know, knees 
and all that. But no, I, I grew up playing ball, so it's like riding a bike always. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy uh, when your body lets you know that you're getting to that age where you, you know, you ain't as nimble anymore yeah, as you used man. to. Yeah, especially like, I, I, yeah, bro. Like, I love being at Navarre's boxing, right? And so, like, in the morning, like you get a lot of the the um man you got you got some beasts in there but a lot of the crowd too is just people like who are just trying to like push through and like this is a way that um you know they start their day and and it's dope because you're in there and you're literally trying to improve um but man if you go in there in the afternoons you see that 17 year old kid who's like a killer bro Damn. Like, putting on hands on like on grown adults like, <laughs> this kid's been boxing since he was like 11 you know what i mean yeah it's just like because it's a fighting gym bro like it's, it's uh, what i mean by that is like you got you got uh, people there from our city and North County who are amateurs and who are pros like, but they're from here, yeah. you know? And so you get to like go there and train alongside them and they've created a vibe where it's like, everyone's very encouraging. Um, and the dudes who have like, or the females who have the, like probably the best hands in the gym are probably the nicest people you ever like come in contact yeah. with. And like, they're the ones that are like, pull you to the side and be like, Hey bro, you should try to do X, Y, and Z. Like this will help try this at home. Um, yeah. Which is like, counter to what we would think you know what i mean but it's it's a dope atmosphere man it's, it's a dope atmosphere but it goes back to like brian being from here you know his wife yeah. uh, sandra's also from here so like they're big about the community um but i love it bro like being there and like struggling every morning and then but then you finish the day like damn i accomplished something so you start off the day waking up accomplishing something yeah you know even if it's just waking up and getting there. and yeah. e- even like uh the night before you're like, okay uh gotta get some sleep because in the morning brian's gonna whip my ass yeah man yeah i'm like I'm, I'm getting ready to throw up like, yeah but no but it's cool man they created an atmosphere where like everyone's just focused everyone's just focused on your individual self and pushing through you know yeah so like that it's, it's a dope thing to be a part of yeah. and jimmy now that you're actually gone through some boxing training mm-hmm. how, do you do you see yourself like doing any type of competitions or anything like that nah man i i know i know my lane bro <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know my lane bro like i go in there and it's like i want to improve and i want to get better and it's like um i i definitely like it's more mental for me than anything you know what i mean like to to be able to go in there and like one mentally escape um and just to like it's my mental health it's like my like my rest like that's like really the only time that my phone's not attached to me you know what i mean and so it's like even like my role as executive director like i'm on call 24 7 and so if i I can leave here right now and someone call me from the shelter i might have to go to the shelter Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just like but in the morning no one has access to me yet i don't let anyone like access me yet like i won't respond to attacks unless it's someone that's going to meet me at the gym i'm not going to respond to anything because if the moment i do then that tells like the world i'm available you know what i mean so like (laughs) in the morning i just i'll make my coffee i put my headphones on music's loud and i'm at the gym and as soon as i get in the gym i put my phone away that's like the only time that it's like i'm not going to look at my phone for the next like hour and a half two hours at all you know and it's like that's how i start my day so, but right. no, I'm not. No, nah, bro. You should. You walk in there, you see some of those like 15, 16 year olds, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm good, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like much respect. But that's the place where I feel old because, like, you just see it, bro. You see, like, uh, even this morning, there was like some 20 year old kid just like, you know, jump roping like nothing. I'm like, jump roping every like 30 seconds, like my left knee. I'm like, man, I gotta stop, you know. But, yeah. you know, I know, I know my place. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Have you, have you sparred or anything? No, just like, like just shadow boxing. Yeah. Yeah. Just shadow boxing. So it's like, but even that, bro, like the ring feels big, like three minutes are long. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. Like, and so when you're in there, even shadow boxing, like you're not like getting hit where, 
um, you know, you're going to get knocked out or anything like that. But it might be like once in a while a little stinger, but it's still like you want to throw up if you're not like in like that ring. Yeah. Big, bro. And so it's just like, but even, even, even just doing that is like, it's humbling. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's very humbling. Yeah. And it right. tells you a lot about yourself too. You know, now I bet like um, you, you learn uh, how to, how to uh, push, you know, past barriers that, you know, your mind puts on, on your body. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy what 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 we can accomplish when when we put our minds to it and our bodies uh to it. It's a, uh, you know, our bodies we could do anything with them. You know, that's why you see like athletes they're zero percent body fat and you know some some machines out there. It's just they put their mind to it. But that's what I admire. I've always admired about the sport, bro. Is like the the like having to make weight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then like having to like you have twenty four hours to rehydrate and then being disciplined like when you're in there or even like how boxers fight they're not just in there throwing hands like i might set you up for four rounds to get this punch off yeah to get this so like you're mentally in there like playing chess with someone and it's a lot of preparation to lead up to one night of like performance you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like eight weeks of of prepping and a lot of life is like that man sometimes when you're in there and you're training like if you can push back and understand like I might throw up. You might throw up. You yeah. know what I mean? You might like, <laughs> yeah. you might want to pass out. But like, if you get past that, if you throw up and you get back in there and keep working out, if you like really get to a point where I just need to lay down, but then you like keep going, you realize like, oh, I can do that again. And now I know where that limit is now mm-hmm. and I can push myself to the next. Like, yeah. And then you can apply that to anything in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like sometimes, like today, I went in there on three hours of sleep. You know what I mean? Like, I'm on three hours of sleep now. But this morning, I had already developed the habit of like, I'd rather go in there with three hours of sleep and and get and get that from my mind and get that to start my week than like wake up, you know, sleep in past the, the workout and be like, damn, like I miss out on the opportunity to be encouraged um, to to be there in the morning and push myself. And like I said, man, they really created an atmosphere where it's like you leave there and you feel like, damn, OK, like even the other day I was in there on Friday um i think it was friday and i was on the bag and and, and coach brian was like hey man take a round off and i was like wow like I, i'm cool like i don't need to take a round off and he was and he's putting his gloves on he's like you know what's up and i was like damn he's like having <laughs> shadow box with him right and when you're shadow boxing with him he sets this pace you know he's a former like pro and this is what he does but when we get in there at six he's 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 already drenched in sweat so like he he opens up the door at 6 10 but if you're there before 610, you just hear him yelling, hitting the back. And he opens up the door and he's like, the steam's coming out of him. And he's Damn. like, his whole shirt is like soaked. Like he, he right now is probably still at the gym. He hasn't closed up. He'll close up at 10. He's back in there like at five, you yeah. know, training. But when I was in there um, shadow boxing with him, he, he, we were just doing three rounds. And, you know, when you're training with someone that that's that good, you're going at their pace. But he's also like teaching you as he's like hitting you. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, 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 or allowing you to hit him. And he's like coaching you. But the entire time he wasn't telling me like things that would motivate me to be a better fighter, be a better fighter. He was telling me things that were motivating me to be a better husband, father. He was just like, think about your girls. It's how hard life is. Like he was telling me this as like he's swinging at me and he's like, you know what I mean? And he was like, but he was like, think about your daughters. Like that's what he was telling me while I was in there training. And so like if those are the conversations he's having with me, I know he's having conversations like that with Mm-hmm. Um, other people at his gym like that's how how much he's invested um and that's why like i said like when he came to oceanside i felt so comfortable like 
creating that partnership with resilience because I knew that that's what he was going to give the kids, you know, and the the the, the youth that um, from resilience that go to Navarre's, they have their own personal relationship with him. And sometimes he'll pull him to the side and talk to him. I, I never asked, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I know that he's like trying to get them to push beyond yeah. like, you know, what they see as possible. But that's what I love about the sport, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more about like and also like boxing. Most people come from like third world countries or they come from the hood, right? Like who would get punched in the face for a living? Mm-hmm. Like other than someone that's like yeah. trying to get out of their environment. Right. And so like seeing those stories, like most boxing fighting story, like those origin stories from most of those fighters, like they're overcoming poverty, you know, and yeah. crazy obstacles. Like, and so like all that's inspiring. I find crazy motivation, inspiration from like, from that. Yeah. Oh, boxing is one of those sports, dude. And it's, in a way, it's very similar to uh, basketball because it does take a lot of the yeah. conditioning, a lot of strategy. Uh, but it's 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 a sport like no other, dude, because there's no team. I mean, yeah, you have your corner and that's your team. But at the end of the day, it's combat. It's just you, you against another you person. You can't play boxing. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, not, like, it's not something you play. You know, it's not like, yeah, man. Yeah, it's. It's, it's uh, yeah, I it take anyone that gets in that ring. And I, when I see those guys in there sparring, it's like, damn, like, it's a lot of respect. Like, it takes a lot to do that. I haven't done that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I watch them and I'm just like, okay, like, I'm, like I said, I know my land. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, but it, it kind of does come down to uh, what, what Lens was kind of uh, touching on earlier. And it's, uh, it's just overcoming those mental obstacles. I think, I think boxing teaches you how to overcome a lot of those things because, uh, you know, there, there's times where you limit yourself, you know, you're like, like a coach tells you, hey, do this workout, then do two miles and then come back for a sparring session. You're like, oh, oh I'm not going to do that. So that's that's a lot. Dude. You're yeah. already blocking yourself before <laughs> you even try it. And it's just, you know, you just got to attempt it and, you know, see where it leads you and, you know, o- overcome those fears. It's, it's, it's just a, a trippy, trippy sport. But uh, overall, very, very good for your health, as yeah. you said, the mental, uh, physical, spiritual. It, very wholesome and culturally man it's like for real like it's, it's one of our sports you know what i mean mm-hmm. like culturally like it's big like the biggest fighters are always from like mexico yep. the philippines the uk um you find it in in places that like um you know it's one of the main sports and so mm-hmm. like growing up on it it's just like to finally be able to like bro i i watch i watch it so differently now like because when i first started like by the fourth round of hitting the bag my hands were down like yeah. those gloves feel so heavy and so, like, now I don't watch fights, like, you know, when they're in the 10th and 11th round. And, like, I'm not, like, oh, it's just, you know, give it all you got. It's like, man, this fool's tired. Like, yeah. I, I, I know that they're tired, you know. It's like, so it's just the appreciation for it is, is uh, yeah, a lot higher now. And, like, wa- watching uh, the sport, watching boxing, uh, who were you, um, like, uh, excited for? Like, right, right now? now? Or, mm-hmm. like, um, right now? Man, it, it depends. I, I, I'm... I like I like the whole lightweight mm-hmm. uh, division, the 135, the 140, because there's so many young fighters that um, are still, for the most part, undefeated or just have one loss. Um, to see them all fight each other, I hope that they all fight each other. Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, Javante Davis, Devin Haney, even Loma. Mm-hmm. Um, for all them to like, just to see, because I think they're all going to end up losing if they all fight each other. Yeah. Um, that's what usually happens. That's why like in the UFC, everyone has losses because you're forced to fight the number one contender. Yeah. Um, so like if they all fight each other, I think eventually they'll take a loss. And then some of them will probably move up to 147. Um, Devin Haney, maybe eventually Ryan Garcia, because they're taller, you know? Yeah. Um, wanted to see the Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford fight, but like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I watch all the Canelo fights. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people hate on him, man, but like he works hard. 
Um, and I think he's just at a point right now where he's made so much money that he's looking f- how to motivate himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he went up and wait because he's just trying to look for that next challenge. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I watch it all from heavyweight all the way down to like, you know, 130, one like, yeah, yeah I, I, I watch it all, bro. Like, I, I, think, you, I think you might be onto something right yeah. there, Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, watching like the the lower weight classes because yeah. I've seen that throughout a few decades. You know, uh, I think the '90s was like heavy weights. Yeah. Uh, the early to mid 2000s, mm-hmm. it was like middle weight. Uh, no, sorry, not middle weight. Uh, Walter weight. Yeah. Uh, now with Canelo being the the main man, it's uh, mid, middle middle mid, to heavy. Super middle, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, and yeah, I feel like it's gonna go back down, dude. Because yeah. uh, some of the best Mexican fighters, they're on the lower divisions just yeah. because they don't have so much height. You know? Yeah, yeah. and then you've always kind of always had that with the Mexican fighters because mm-hmm. they're shorter, you know. They're shorter or they fight in lighter weights. Even Chavez was 140. You know, he he, he was uh, lower. But I think it always goes like the sport always follows the money, right? So Canelo being the main uh, fighter, um, whoever's in that division gets elevated in status, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So people talk about Charlos, Caleb uh, Plan, and um, Benavides, but Benavides would be, an, I think he's, you know, he might take over, you know, the mm-hmm. 168, 175 eventually. But like when Mayweather was at 147, or when Mayweather was at 140, the names around Mayweather at 140 got elevated. And then when he went to 147, the names around him got elevated. Um, whoever's the money man, like those names around it are going to get elevated. But mm-hmm. that's what's dope about the 135 division. Like Canelo's nowhere near the 135 division. And you got like four or five fighters who everyone wants to see like go at it like that just shows you like there's something there um, yeah and, and they're young too so i just i just hope that they don't like fight them like until they get to 147 like, yeah might as well just you know like it's okay to lose man mm-hmm. you know what i mean like a lot of the biggest names have lost you know even yeah. canelo's lost and look he's still the top guy he's lost twice he's yeah he, he, lo- he lost to uh, yeah. mayweather uh, when he was younger and yeah. recently to uh bivol yeah. 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 and even with the first triple g like you know a lot of people like yeah felt like he lost, but he but if you keep taking those challenges, like he showed you, you can lose and still like mm-hmm. be fine. Pacquiao lost. He, you know, he yep. lost to Marquez, and he was still the money guy. Still everyone, everyone was still calling him out. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't calling Marquez out; they were still calling Pacquiao out. Yeah, that's you true. Know, you know, uh, so. But I, th- I think you're right, dude. I, I think there was uh, an era where everybody was afraid to lose the zero yeah. for boxing, yeah. and I think at this point it has to get be overcome. Just like yeah. as you mentioned, UFC, dude. All of those guys, they fight. Nothing but top-notch fighters. All they have the time, no choice right? though, because they're part yeah. of a like um, an organizing body. Mm-hmm. So like, they always have the champion always has to fight the number one contender. Yeah, I That's hope a, I hope uh, boxing starts doing something like that because I know it's it's no secret, dude. Uh, there there's there's pull in the industry. You know, sometimes they pick your fighters, you know, to keep elevating your record. But if you want to be the best, you have to fight the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, boxing is a lot like the entertainment business man like or the music industry at least i feel like it's like they who has the best marketing you know what i mean where's the marketing and that's going to generate numbers so like you could be the best fighter but if you don't have a fan base and i have a huge fan base there's no like reward for me to fight you yeah you know like I, i heard that today about a specific fighter i think at 168 and they were just like there's no reason for anyone to fight him he doesn't have a fan base why would anybody risk that and it's like, mm-hmm. even though he has the potential and talent, it's just like, I'm not going to make any money off fighting. you. Like, there's no reward off of it. And so, like, that's that's the other part of the sport that, unfortunately, either your promoter or sometimes, like, when the fighter's really quiet, the trainer will be really loud. 
you know, <laughs> but out of necessity, because like yeah. someone's got to talk. Yeah. Someone's got to hype this Someone, motherfucker. <laughs> someone's got to sell the fight. <laughs> yep. You know, and at the end of, at the end of the day, it is prize fighting. Yeah. Like, and so that that's you know that's and you know Canelo and Mayweather really got into that De La Hoya too. It was like mm-hmm. we gotta make money off of this. Well, I mean, you see it now with yeah. uh, the YouTube fighters, yeah, yeah. The, the the Paul guys. Yeah, you know I mean, speaking, speaking of price fighting, yeah, yeah. That, that's all it is. They hype up the fights. They they get a a, a pretty well known name, as you yeah. said, somebody that, that has a fan base and then just generates interest. Like yeah. the what if, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, but that's what like fighting is, and you know, in, in a way, but like. With some of these younger fighters, they got they they have a fan base, and I think they're just all like because they're young. None of them want to be the first one to lose. Yeah. You know? So we'll see what happens. With, with you being in the in the boxing gym, what's what's like the overall outlook with with uh, boxers or people that are training that are in the sport with like the Jake Paul fights and and those prize fights? Um, I think it is people see it for what it is. It's entertaining. You yeah. know what I mean? Depending on That's who, for sure. depending on who their opponent is, you know what I mean? But like, who's the younger brother? Is it Jake Paul? Yeah, it's Jake yeah, Paul. I think right, it's Jake right? Paul yeah. He's training, yeah. bro. Like, yeah. he's 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 got the money. He's he's got a real professional like team around him. You know, people that have been in the sport and yeah. experience. Oh yeah, he, and he's been doing it for four years. You do anything for four years every day. Yeah, you're gonna get good at it. You know, and he was an athlete too. Like he was uh, in high school. He was like a star athlete. Yeah. So like you take those the genetics. He's already he's young. He's got the athletic ability, and he's got the money to eat train he's got the money <laughs> and, and and pay someone to train you someone who's like very skilled in that yeah. to train you daily like you're gonna get good at it if you get committed to it and like for him he's been committed to it and i think there's respect there just from seeing the discipline um but also seeing it for what it is you know what yeah. i mean like it's 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 prize fighting you know yeah. what i mean i think until he fights like a, a real professional boxer then like boxers will start looking at him like mm-hmm. he's um, yeah, you know, like, him, him taking out all the all the ex UFC guys is is and they're older, you know, yeah, they're older. And he's yeah. been doing he's been practicing like striking with his hands and boxing longer than they have, even though yeah. they're fighters. Yeah, they're they're you know it's like well it's a different discipline. It's a different discipline. And you're wearing these gloves that are a lot heavier. Even the stance, yeah, it's all different. Yeah. And even like the those retired boxers that are coming back in to or or UFC fighters that are coming back in or going into the boxing world. Um, they they've already taken a whole bunch of hits and lumps, you yeah. know, where where their tolerance for pain is is uh, already you know been stretched so far. Yeah, and that instincts it's easier. Too. Yeah, instincts. I I was listening to an older fighter who's a coach now saying like, man, we all have like, if you fight for this long, all of our vision's bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, like he talks about how many fighters have to get like uh, specific surgeries, you know, to repair their vision because they got double vision. He said you've been hitting the head so much, and so it's like when you get to a certain age and you've been doing it for such a long time. There's certain instincts, yeah. you know, like I've never fought, but I got bad knees. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, so you can only imagine all these people that have been like running miles and yeah. miles and miles training. And then you're fighting like a 23, 24 year old. Yeah. Especially like if you're, a, if <laughs> yeah. you're like a heavyweight, you know, and you, you have to you be standing all day and, and being, being on those knees, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not light. Yeah. And yeah. having to run and everything like those knees will go out. But it's entertaining. I mean, it's, yeah. that's what it's that's what it's for, you know. And so, so we'll see what happens. So does uh, Canelo beat Bivol again, or does he does he beat him? Uh, no, it's not gonna happen, dude. And yeah, if it does no. happen, it probably won't be until like three years from now. I can never trust what I see on like social media and stuff. You know, they always yeah. post like different stuff, and I, I I saw that he wanted he wanted to fight him. 
Oh well, well, I think Canelo wants a rematch, but the other guys focus. I don't, on I don't think Bebo needs to give it to him, huh? I don't no. think he does, but the payday's there for Bebo. So yeah. that, that's, like, that, that's the that's the biggest yeah. payday yeah. he'll get if the, the rematch. Yeah. I think if Canelo does it, like man, like I look at it like damn, like he, he's looking, he's the underdog, yeah. and for him to go step into something where he's the underdog, I think yeah, because he's at a point now like where I this happened to Mikey Garcia. I'm not saying Mikey Garcia and Canelo are the same, but Mikey Garcia had made millions of dollars, and he went up to fight Errol Spence. Um, you know, and, and he lost, he lost every round. And then the next fight, I think he fought someone and just lost, but he was already like, he was checked out mm-hmm. and he was looking for like a challenge just to something motivate him to do a eight week training camp again. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was, I think it was like Tommy Hearns or one of the older fighters. He said, man, it's a lot harder to wake up at five in the morning to run five miles when you have silk pajamas. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a different thing when you're coming from poverty and you're trying to make it. Um, But like, once you're established, it's like, what motivates you to like train yeah. and, and make weight and all that, you know? And I think also for writing that 175 for Canelo, it's like, he doesn't have to worry so much about making weight, you know, and cutting so much, Yeah, uh, but we'll see. I mean, if Bivol would get paid off of it, if Canelo pulls it off, I mean, like, uh, I don't think he, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Bivol's too big and he's nice, man. He's like, he's very fundamentally yeah. sound, you know? It's like, he just fought a Mexican fighter, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, he fought uh, El Surdo. Yeah. And El Surdo was undefeated? He wasn't undefeated, no, but he's uh he's a top he's a top he, yeah, he's yeah, a top yeah, contender yeah, like, from Mexico. Off. But he, he beat him. He won more. Deci- like he, the Canelo fight was closer, I think, than the Surdo. Oh, yeah, wow. Surdo yeah. just got handed, man. Wow. He, he couldn't do anything. I mean, because uh, Bivol, he's he's a great fighter, dude. Yeah. He he's got skill, Very uh, discipline. He he yeah. knows how to hit, get out the pocket, and work the ring, and then come back in and strike. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty solid in, in, yeah. in his whole footwork, dude. It's yeah. it's just insane. What, what do you guys think about uh, what is it, Andy the Destroyer against um, Dante Wilder? I think that's an interesting fight, bro. That's gonna be crazy. Yeah, that, I think that would be. I, I think this is yeah. Andy's shot, right? To because he already had the belt and everything, and and he made a name for himself. But yeah. I think like if if he can handily win this fight, uh, it brings him his star back up to where he when he was a, champion he should, he should get a, a, a he should get the fight um he should get a title shot yeah you know if it's not tyson well even if yeah. it's tyson whoever yeah. he should get a title shot i um yeah man that because water's so like you know he, he's he's gotten better as a boxer but it's yeah. interesting but it's a big payday i think there's a lot of big paydays for the heavyweight right now. yeah you know even if they lose yeah i'm like, glad the heavyweight class is back yeah, you know yeah. for a while there was not really anybody and they got personalities to a heavyweight yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, man, uh, the the boxing world is back. It's it's exciting. And uh, you know, it trips me out speaking of like smart boxers and and what they do after their careers. Uh, De La Hoya was probably really smart too, uh starting his own company, his own promotion company cuz that right now that's what uh kind of runs the boxing world, no? Yeah, kind of uh, always he, has. He he was he was pretty smart in doing a, a promoting team cuz uh you're right, dude. I think Golden Boy right now is uh, basically the, the, one of the heads of boxing, yeah. also with top rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really it, dude. It's either top rank or Golden Boy that has all these fucking Or PBC. Fights. Yeah, or PBC. Yeah, Al Heyman. Um, I, I think that, like, with, with De La Hoya, when he came in, it was when it was the end of the Don Keen era, and it was Don yeah. Keen and Bob Arum, and De La Hoya came in with uh, Sugar Shane Mosley and uh, Bernard Hopkins, and they were very big, like, on... We're gonna give power back to the fighters. Yeah, and um, they had uh, uh, 
Richard Schaefer, who was like a, I think a banker from like, I don't know, overseas or whatever. And he was running the, the business side of it. And they had, they, yeah, they had, they didn't have Mayweather signed to him, but they did the Mayweather fights mm-hmm. and they were putting Canelo on the undercard. And yeah. I think when PBC came in though, without Heyman, um, you know, that became something else too. And so now you have, the thing is though, when you have so many promotional companies, it's like this fighter signed here, this mm-hmm. fighter signed there. Yep. And then these and then two promoters don't get, get along. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, but you know, money's money, man. So it's just yeah. like, if they can, like, if the fighters can generate, the money might be their biggest payday. Yeah. You know, but, but, hey, hey, Jimmy. Well, uh, while we're still on the, the subject of, of boxing, I, I do want to bring it no. back just real quickly to uh, uh, the, the the first part of uh, of this uh, podcast interview. So now that you've been doing boxing, mm-hmm. um, how, how do you how do you take what you learned in your boxing regiment and your training? Uh, to uh, your career with uh, Hope North County? I think one is, is it's a very like humbling, like like learning to do a new sport, but also like doing something that like requires so much like a stamina um, and it takes you out of your comfort zone, even the way you stand, the way that like um, the whole, everything about it, it's very humbling. And so like it puts you in a perspective of like, never be afraid to learn, you know, never be afraid to be like a, a student. Um, and even if you're uncomfortable, even if it's hard, like, um, if there's something that you truly care about, you're going to come back, you know? And so like, there's times where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, man, I hope I don't have to like shadow box today. Cause I'm mm. tired. You know what I mean? And I get there and then like, that's the first thing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, but still going like, that's the victory. You know what I mean? Even like, um, I prefer going in the morning because it, it, for me, um, it's the harder thing to do, you know, and also having a family, like by me going in the morning, I'm not going to take time away from my daughters and my wife by going in the morning because they're still asleep. So it just adds to like the discipline part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, it's just like doing something that's uncomfortable. That's hard. Um, but it's something that like I'm passionate about. So I'm, I'm going to put the time in to like improve, you know, and I think that you apply the same thing to, and you can apply that to anything in life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you're passionate about it, like you're going to try to get better, you know, and you're going to come back. And I, I think that's just how I translate it. Yeah. But yeah, it's also for my mental health, bro. Like I said, that's the only time throughout the entire day that my phone, I don't care who calls me, like, I'm not going to check it, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, I'm, I need, I need that. Cause if not, like, you know, I, I go on the day absorbing a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, that's the only time that like someone else is like telling me to keep going, whether it's the coach or someone else in the gym, you know, whoever I'm working out with that day. That's right. Yeah, no, and, and that that's a great way to start the day, dude. I, I read this uh, a few years back myself, because uh, uh, now with everybody having a phone, it's it's just easy. As soon as you wake up, start looking at emails, looking at social media pages, whatever. And it, but it's already it's already got your attention. You know, it's it's already you're already anxious. It, like, it, already, it's already like, got you out yeah, of your element. So yeah. if you start off your day by you know instead of going straight to your phone, you know, taking time for yourself, making sure that you you wake yourself up or even, you know, read a book, read the paper, whatever, just, you know, build up your routine. So like that, when you walk out of your house, you know, you're, you're fully ready, you feel charged and, you know, you're, you're able to tackle your day a little bit different than, as you said, you you wake up, you look at your phone and you already start getting a little anxiety off of everything that you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And it, it was like, you know, for me going into even like this new year, that was one thing that I, def- I definitely wanted to commit to because it was like, we had been going to Navarre since 2020, but I was just going once a week with the kids. You know, I would take them like every Wednesday and I was like, man, I would love it if I can come at least three or four times a week. 
And it was like, okay, what changes do I need to make in my schedule? What changes do I need to make in my life to be able to make that happen? And so even just being able to make that available, prioritizing that availability for me to make that happen was like a victory for me. And then now being in there is something that I've always wanted to do. Like I said, I like, I could talk about boxing forever, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I love boxing. <laughs> yeah, so, I know I can tell. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. to actually be in there. Um, yeah, bro. Like it's, it's like one of my favorite things to do. Like, you know what I mean? If you ask me like what a perfect day is, it's like, man, I'm, I'm at the boxing gym for like two hours. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that would be perfect. Like to be able to be in there uh, two or three hours in the morning and like, spend the rest of the day with my family you know what i mean like that's like a dream day for me like Mm -hmm. um you know but it's like yeah man one of the things about like doing the work in the community is that like every day there's 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 always needs you know things always come up or there's always something and so like i have to make sure and that's why i tell people everyone that does like i tell this to my team um, I, 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 you know, even with the resilience team, Operation Hope, I always ask them, like, what do you do for self-care? Like, what are you doing for yourself? Because no one ever asked the mentor, like, mm-hmm. are you all right? Like, are you good? Like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? Um, for me, it's boxing. For others, it could be music. It could be, I don't know, like going for walks at the beach. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like, you need to find something where you can just zone out and, and go in your element, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's needed for mental health, bro. Like, that's important. Because if not, like anxiety will like will weigh on you you know what i mean anxiety stress like that's always going to be there so it's like you need to you need to do something to like get it off of you oh yeah dude 100 percent. yeah well hey jimmy facts uh thanks again dude for stopping by and for all all the word of advice uh one more time before you even attempt to head out uh where where could they find you at or where can you have uh volunteers pull up yeah man so like if anyone's interested in volunteering or hearing more about operation hope um operation hope shelter.org operation hope shelter.org and uh instagram tiktok j figueroa underscore oside um yeah man and I do got one more shout out in the comment right here. Andres Jimenez. Yeah, man. Hopped on. That's my little brother, comments. bro. Yeah. Man, yeah, strange. He put a few, dog. <laughs> Real talk, man. I'm, I've known Andres since he was like in elementary school, bro. Like way before like Matt Strange was an idea. You know what I mean? That's why like I go so hard for like everything that he's doing him and Daniel because it was like I knew them before and then like hearing about when it was just an idea mm-hmm. into like see someone develop something, um, you know, from an idea and put the work in, like even this, like I've known Bruce, like before, you know, it was kick it labs. Like, and that's why I said, he can call me whenever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna pull up. Cause like, just like seeing someone develop something is like, it's always inspiring. I get inspired. Like that dude's like much younger than me, man. And he inspires me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Well, shout out to the master age team. You know what I'm saying? They, they are a, a big light out here in, in our uh, community. So, uh, Keep on grinding. Keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are a big inspiration for sure. Yeah, and to everybody from the youth out there, just remember, if you have an idea, find a way to express it. Find your creative side and make sure that you really attempt to manifest it because if you don't try, you're never going to know. So Mm, give it a shot. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to uh, Navarre's Boxing. Shout out. Yeah, check them out, man. Check them out. Um, Man, like, again, they're from the city. Um, uh, Sandra grew up in Vista. Brian's from Oceanside. So I'm guessing we're going to have Brian on next you season. Should. <laughs> you, know, you know what's dope, man? Like, there's a city in Ventura County, Oxnard, and they've developed a lot of um, champs. Uh, Fernando Vargas, uh, Robert Garcia, Mikey Garcia. And now it's, like, become, like, a 
like a, a, a big bear, you know, like people from all over the world go to Oxnard and train, but it all happened with their gym. And I, we've had so many athletes here in Oceanside and we're also like a blue collar. We're tough. To, man, we've mm -hmm. had a lot of people that like, we knew like, man, that boy has hands or like, mm -hmm. if you got into boxing, like yeah. you could have done something with it. Um, I, I believe that having like, uh, a staple like Navarre is now like in Oceanside. It's only a matter of time before we have like our champ, you know, and once you have one person that gets through the door that like provides hope for the next generation and you, we'll see it, man. Like we, we have yeah. NFL players. Why can't we have like, yep. you know, yep. world, um, you know, champs. Yep. You yep. know, I, I think we're going to see it, man. And I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if it comes from that gym. That's right. So, yeah. That's me right. neither, dude. I, yeah. I seen a lot of talent. Uh, I, just like dude, yeah. you, bro. Like I, I've been around boxing for quite some time tell, now, yeah, yeah. and uh, it, dude, you, you you could tell when a, a kid is dedicated, when he has that passion, because it it really that, that's all it takes, man. You just gotta be disciplined, know yourself, and go at it, dude. Yeah, and it all takes for one. You know, like I know, I know we've we've had some pro fighters from Oceanside from the from the different gyms, um, but I know once we get a champion from the city. Um, or even just North County, you know, like, um, I, I think it's going to inspire. It, it just makes things possible once you know mm -hmm. someone that's done it, you know, like junior sale got into the NFL. How many NFL players have come out of like Oceanside and Vista? Yeah. Like, you can't, it's too many to A count, lot. right? Um, just, we're going to have, we're going to get some champions. Man. That's right. Oh, I, I, I don't doubt it, bro. In the near future, we'll be talking about the champion of North County. That's right. Hey, but uh, Jimmy, uh, last one for me, uh, since you kind of yeah. talked on uh, New Year's resolutions, do you have a, any upcoming resolutions for 2023? I think, man, like doing like the work in the community, like I, I think my biggest thing that I really like, I have two daughters, right? And then, so like I've been married almost 10 years now. Um, one of the biggest things for me, man, it's like I just always want to make sure that my family knows that they're the priority, you know, because like, mm -hmm. like I said, I'm always available. Like my phone's like I'm on call 24 seven, but I just want to make sure that like the more that like I'm able to learn from the work that I do and Cause it's all new to me too. Like, mm -hmm. um, and being a parent too, like, but at the, at the same time, it's like making sure that, um, every year I get better at that. Like making sure that my daughters and my wife know, like, that's the main part they're my main audience. They're my main platform. They're like my number one population that I need to serve before anything else. You know, I had a mentor tell me one time, bro, that the best thing I can ever do for my community or the best thing that anybody can ever do for their community if they're if they're a father is to be like the best parent that they can be for their mm. kids, you know, or if they're married to be the best spouse that they can be for, you know, their their significant other, because like that will have the greatest impact um, and everything else is just a plus. So, yeah, man, doing that and continuing with the boxing, bro. And, you know, everything else. So. That's right. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, well, we're going to have to keep up on you with that, dude. Uh, definitely going to check on you for the, the the Hope North County. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, and also maybe check you out in the gym. Watch your yeah, shadow man. box on these. Yeah, man, you should come, bro. All right. Sick. Yeah. Thanks. Dude. But no, hey, 2024, District 3. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Heard it right here. Jimmy, District 3, 2024. Yeah. Hell yeah. Appreciate you guys, man. Ooh, we got one last one. I got to give a shout out to Juan C. In the very bottom, you want me to read out the comments, Louis? Hey, might as well, dude. You, you got all of them over here. We kind of, hey, sorry for everybody on the YouTube who was commenting. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great combo with Jimmy today. Conversations kept going. <laughs> 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 all right, Andres Jimenez, Jimmy, the motherfucking guy. <laughs> Canelo's Jimmy's cousin. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen Canelo out here? Jimmy versus Valley yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. He looks Del like Mar Mar Browns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not the versus Valley Joe. Matter of fact, Jimmy, 
versus everyone. God it's damn. Right. <laughs> oh, it's probably like off a ratchet Santa Fe. No man. blue light. Look out for those Lambos. No blue light for the first hour of your day. No blue light. Oh, yeah. Okay. Shout out, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, gracias, we. Hell yeah. Shout out to Side Lens. Shout out to Victor V. Hey, shout out. Juan C once again. Shout out Jimmy and Matt Strange. Hey, there you go. And once again, don't forget, hit up the boy Jimmy Figueroa at jfigueroa760 on the IG, on the TikTok, on wherever. But Thank you, bro. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Hell yeah. And with that being said, though, we do hope y'all have a great thing upcoming (laughs) <laughs> I fucked that up. Didn't I? <laughs> I know what you were trying to say. I, I get it. I get, I get it. it. I get. Have a great upcoming Thanksgiving. Make sure you make the smart decisions. If you are with the fam, don't drink and drive. Make sure to eat a lot because we're all gonna be hitting the gym after this motherfucking week. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and sir. yo, catch us around next week. We are taking a Wednesday out, so don't expect us till next Monday. Yo, who we're gonna have on? Your best guess is my best guess. Yeah, but I already fucking know the guess. So yes, sir. You already know how that so, goes. Tune in, check us out next Monday. <laughs> we'll be off for the Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy your break. And if you don't happen to get no turkey, make sure to pull up Black Peg Brewing. Get yourself a full metal burger, man. Burger's so damn good. You don't need no fries. But if you do want some fries, check out the new location in Escondido. But as always, they're always in the Oceanside, man. Seven days a week in front of BP, Black Peg Brewing. Shout out Lived Experiences. Shout out Emi Palma. Shout out Urban Water. Shout out uh, Humanity Showers. And, uh, man, shout out everybody who made it this far into the Spotify for real. Much appreciated. Once again, we were here with Jimmy. It was a great episode. Hell yeah. With that being said, thank you for sipping up with us. They were talking up with us. They were kicking it. Appreciate you guys. Peace.